What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'm just not as enamored with Cruz as... I mean, you never have. I am skeins. I don't know. Cruz really, just, Nick? Like, and on, we're recording now, so this is all on the record. But you're seriously, you would rather have skeins and Cruz? Yeah, and I mean, just from a pure talent standpoint, like in in ceiling, I think yeah. skeins yeah, legitimately has the makeup to be the best pitcher in the league. Where like Cruz, yeah. Cruz is what he is. Like, there's no. But I mean, what he is—there's not much is... for him there, and I'm just afraid that his tools are just going to be somewhat above average, all of them, and not like a star. But I mean, cares me about Cruz. But it's like, think about how quickly he moves, and think about—you know—you plug him in right away, and he could, you know, make an impact. All right, this is going to be this is going to be a good podcast episode. I can feel it already. We'd already started it, honestly. I'm going to keep all that in there because I think it's important. This is Rum Hunter Radio. This is our 2023 MLB Draft Special. The Pittsburgh Pirates have the number one overall pick yet again. Henry Davis, who is now in the big leagues. That was the last number one overall pick for the Pirates. Who is next? Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso. I need you two to sit here and reasonably justify to me why the Pittsburgh Pirates are not going to take the SEC Athlete of the Year, the College World Series MVP champion, Bryce Harper of this year's draft. A no-doubt number one overall type of pick from LSU, Dylan Cruz. Why aren't they going to take him, guys? Marty? He ain't Bryce Harper. (laughs) I mean, I've said it for a long time now. If I'm Ben Charrington, it's Dylan Cruz. It's Dylan Cruz. It's Dylan Cruz. The closer we get to the draft, and maybe this is me just prepping myself for what's coming. I don't know. But if Dylan Cruz is truly hell-bent on getting a $10 million signing bonus and a draft class this deep, I'm I'm fine with Paul Skeens. And I think – and I know I've said all along I don't like college pitchers at the top of the draft. But the more and more I read and hear about Skeens and, you know, the, the best pitching prospects in Strasburg and – ultimately it's the pirates are never going to get a pitcher with the ceiling of Paul Skeens any other way. You know, you you look at, even in the draft, Jameson Tyone didn't pan out. Garrett Cole was really good, but never really got to that that true ACE potential. Like you wanted, you look at the 13, 14, 15 teams. There was Garrett Cole. There was AJ Bennett. There was Francisco Liriano, but do they ever truly have that put a foot down 
Stoppard. They never had their Clayton Kershaw. They never had their Justin Verlander. You know, they, they never had that guy. And Paul Skeens can be that guy. And I, I will preface this by saying I think they're going to pick Paul Skeens. This is 3.12 p.m. on Friday, so about 48 hours out. I, I think they're going to pick Paul Skeens. I really do. And even though at one point I was vehemently against that, I understand why they would pick Paul Skeens. A combination of, again, as the Pittsburgh Pirates, you're never going to get that true top of the rotation. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but like the, the, the true, one of the best pitchers in baseball, shut down dominant ace with Hall of Fame kind of stuff. Unless you do it in the draft, this is their chance to do it. And again, you combine that with, I think the biggest caveat here is this is an extremely deep draft class. This is an extremely deep class. You want to have overslot money available at pick 42. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be Skeens. And, you know, if, if it's not, and it's not Dylan Cruz either, I will be interested to see where it goes, but I really do think it's going to be Paul Skeens. Yeah, I mean, you know, I made a comment about Cruz not being Harper. And, you know, he, he to me, Dylan Cruz is the most sure thing in the top five. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he, you know what you're getting with him. Like, we talked about he, a little He's bit. the highest floor guy of the group. He's the highest floor guy who can make an impact right away. He made an impact you know, for years in the SEC. And even before coming out of high school, he was viewed as a potential first-round pick. So the talent's always been there for Dylan Cruz. And, you know, that's fine. But I I don't necessarily – I'm not as into him as a lot of other people are. I think that his tools could be relatively um, limited at the big league level. And, and not in a bad way. I still think he could be a good player. But – I don't think he has like kind of what you're talking about with Skeens. He doesn't have that um, that that factor, I guess. I, I you know I don't know how to explain it, but Skeens is a big guy who looks like he should be on the mound throwing 100 miles per hour, and that's what he does. And for for him, like like you said, when's the last time we've actually had a guy in the Cy Young? conversation like legitimately in the Cy Young award race right so like he could be that guy um yes there's a chance that his arm blows up but you know there's also a chance that that the top overall pick doesn't work out anyhow we've seen that in the past like it's not a sure thing and I think of the two Skeens has the higher ceiling um you know, and definitely Cruz has lower floor, but I'm with you. Um, what it comes back to is the bonus strategy and, you know, like it or not, it, it's part of the MLB draft. It's a big part of the MLB draft um, compared to others. So, you know, I think that the it's sounding like that uh, Cruz wants 10 million. And I really believe that he's probably going to, Either, either that's fake or I, I don't know. It, it doesn't sound good if Cruz is demanding that kind of money up front. That is significantly above the record signing bonus by almost like a million and a half. Um, it sets a precedent, you know, which the 
people across baseball and front offices and maybe even owners, but front offices especially don't want to set a precedent like that where we're paying the the top overall college guy, you know, a million and a half more every year that that's like not a realistic thing. And, you know, I, I know that we're talking like, Oh, Cruz is the best sense, but it's like, I feel like we kind of have a little bit of that conversation every year, like Jack Leiter and Kumar rocker were supposed to be the next big aces. Right. But they ended up, not in that category just like we're seeing this year's top five unfold where it's maybe not as clear cut as we thought um so yeah i think cruz is hurting himself i think that there's a real possibility that cruz falls down to at least three and i think the tigers like can are slot at like eight seven at three so now like you're talking about even you know i mean even more money like that you would have to give up to get him. So I don't, I don't see that. Um, I, I think it could really put his draft stock in jeopardy if he's going to hold to that. And if he doesn't hold to that, then the pirates need to be on the phone at one, because at the end of the day, they have the most, they have 9.7. And I think that they would prefer to give him as close to that slot number if it meant getting getting him, but I think they're going to be perfectly fine getting Skeens. If that's the case, you know I saw a number thrown out there nine million that sends that saves like seven hundred thousand dollars, which then you like you said you can use you know towards pick forty two. Um, it just seems like like you said there's a lot of smoke around those two right now. I I personally since you did it, Marty, I'll go on the record now. I actually think that the pick is going to be Langford um, just because that's the name we're hearing the least amount. And it just reminds me of 2021 when we were hearing more about Lawler and Mayer and Davis kind of snuck in at the end. And, you know, I just think that Langford projects as a similar bat as Cruz. I think Langford has more power potential. I've had a scout tell me that he likes to swing um, better for the um, MLB level. Compared to Cruz, not that he doesn't think Cruz has a, a good swing or anything. He just thinks Langford's, you know, gives more of a power projection. Um, the the knock on Langford is that he's probably a corner outfielder, but you know, I'm not I'm not too concerned about that if the bat plays. And um, you know, with him, I think you're looking at the biggest savings. You know, I think you could really take a take a Henry Davis like discount one and a half. $2 million maybe sign him and still, you know, get super aggressive at 42. Um, but I don't know. It will be interesting. They've kind of taken a little bit of a different approach or strategy every year. You know, we saw college college and then we saw high school last year. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what they do, but I, I agree with you, Mari. I think we're, I think we're looking between Skeens and Langford at this point. Yeah, and, and you know, one interesting point you brought up there, Nick, about n- no one wants to be that team that sets the standard for the number one overall pick and that kind of money. Um, think back to the way the NFL draft used to be before they changed the rules there, and you'd see guys getting drafted, especially quarterbacks, number one, number two overall, and signing these just monstrous $40, $50 million bonuses. Um, I think Sam Bradford was the last one to do it, and that just kind of goes and shows why – no one wants to be the team that sets that precedent because look at the career Sam Bradford had. Um, 
it's so funny you bring up I the NFL. Very, I think that's a very, very legitimate point here. I, I think about the NFL too and how everyone thought the Washington Commanders were going to – who were they going to sign, everyone thought, at quarterback. Oh, Lamar Jackson. The whole Lamar Jackson controversy with him looking for that um, that money and like that completely guaranteed contract like Watson got. And, you know, during that whole time period, they kept talking about um, the owners around the NFL being upset with the Browns for giving out that contract and that no NFL team was ever going to give out a contract like that again, essentially, because the owners didn't want to make that a thing more or less. And, you know, I know it's a little different. We're talking free agency in the NFL versus the MLB draft. But my point is like these owners, they're, they're in this together to make, to make money, to, to have a good um, major league baseball. So, you know, they're not, they're communicating They're That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's a good point too. Um, you made there, Nick, that they've taken each draft a little bit differently and we've seen, you know, some unique strategies, no doubt. But I think we'd all agree. And even in the episodes where we slighted this group the most, this regime the most, the thing that we point to that we feel great about, that we feel the most confident about is the MLB draft, the way they've handled that, um, you know, Termar last year with their uh, with their pick and and obviously the 21 draft, the way they went about that in 2022. Hell, I think, uh, you know, we've we've been enjoyed what we've seen from that draft so far, but this is going to be a, a really important draft for this regime because, like I said, you know, the draft is the one thing we point to. If this is mishandled, if this doesn't pan out, I think this uh, speaks to, um, you know, really what the legacy of this regime is going to be. Let's say, you know, he doesn't blow up his arm in Paul Skeen's case. Is there really that much of a discount there at 1-1? I mean, are they even able to set it up like the 21 draft if they take a Wyatt Langford or a Paul Skeens versus Dylan Cruz. Is it a discount to that extent? I don't think they have as much flexibility um, as they did in 21. Because 21, they had, I believe, a competitive A pick maybe. Or no. Uh, yeah, was like, that's how they wound up with being no. able to get Chandler, Solomito, and White. Because all three of those went in like the top 70 picks. Yeah, but they like, did. They, 2021, they had the way the, – where their draft was set up, it was different. You're right. But so it was a little bit more advantageous to save money in 21 than it's going to be this year. Because in addition to 1-1, they had, I think, three other picks in like the top 70 or top 80. Yeah, so th- they had a competitive balance B pick that year, which gives them – which is what they have this year. It gives them extra money, but they also in that draft had the top pick in every round and they don't have that in this year's draft right. because yeah. of a lottery I, system. They I, I, looked it up, I looked it up real quick. They don't have to cut you off, but just cause we were on it and yeah. they had four of the top 100 picks in 2021 that, that gives you our four, five of the top 100. If you include one, one, four additional picks to one, one in the top yeah. 100. That gives you a lot of incentive to save as much money as possible at one one. That's not we probably have a, what four this year. We have pick I, one, pick two, pick competitive B, and then probably round three sneaks in on yeah, either three or but it's not not four additional. And those four additional, yeah. that's how they got Salometo, Lonnie White Jr., Bubba Chandler, and they took Owen Kellington with that fourth pick. So yeah, I don't think they can like really um take a that approach, but they can still 
get creative and still find guys. The the you know my my idea that I drew up for Langford is even if you save like a million on on one one, like that's gonna give you you know towards top twenty five um, prospect potential essentially at pick forty two. Like that extra million dollars would get you into that into that conversation of grabbing a, a, another top 25 player, essentially. Um, you know, and th- you know, we've talked about that. Is it worth it? You know, is it worth passing on, you know, the elite MLB ready talent and a guy like Cruz to save some money and grab another high end prospect in a deeper draft? Um, you know, for the pirates, they're also in a spot where like, they kind of have the power in a way like outside of Cruz, like a lot of these guys, like you're going one, one, like, <laughs> like there's not much leverage and negotiations. Um, I know, I know Cruz is doing it, but he's, like I said, I think he's also playing a very dangerous game like Mark Appel did back in 2012. So, <laughs> um, so will it be like 21? I, I don't know. You know, when we look at 20 and we look at 2022, those drafts were a lot more linear in the sense of like they took kind of guys who should have been their first round pick, maybe saved a little money in different spots, got a couple guys to over slot at other spots in the draft. We've seen that in 20 and 22 tomorrow. You know, we didn't expect that he goes he goes over slot uh, at pick four last year. So, you know, the year before they cut two million from Davis. So it, it really just is going to be like you said, it's going to be their overall strategy of what they want to do. And honestly, like they probably already know because, mm-hmm. like I said, it, it, unless something changes, but if you go back to that twenty one draft it seemed like they had a lot of those deals kind of in place, you know, yeah. uh, beforehand. So it's important for them to know what kind of number they're talking at one before, you know, taking that next step mm-hmm. into their strategy, I guess. Yeah. And you know, that's a very valid point. Cause you look at 21, you, you landed a guy in Anthony Solomeda who was set to go pitch for North Carolina. You landed a guy in Lonnie white jr. Who was a top 100 wide receiver recruit who was set to go play football, Penn state. You land a Bubba Chandler who is set to go play both football, be a quarterback at Clemson while pitching for the Tigers. You, When you're going that route, you need to, like you said, have something, even if it's just in pencil, with guys like that ahead of the draft. Because if you don't, you're not going to run the risk of essentially blowing a pick on one of them. So I agree with you. I think they know what they're going to do already. Now, I do think to tie back to something you said earlier, Nick, there is a chance where you know we get to Sunday night and all of a sudden Dylan Cruz realizes he is screwed up and he's going to come down from his number. I think there's still a chance they could circle back there. But I I, I'm with you. I think they know what they're going to do. I think it's going to be Paul Skeens for about $9 million. And I just, again, not to keep harping on this, but I think to me the biggest thing, the biggest reason why Skeens is so attractive to a team like the Pirates is he is that ace. He's that Cy Young guy. He, the, the Pirate organization for – as many great players and Hall of Famers and everything they've had, they've never had that for pitching. Even in the 70s, even in the 60s, even in the early 90s. I mean, yeah, maybe you can make a little bit of an argument for Doug Drabeck, but they've had two Cy Young winners in franchise history. They no pitchers in the Hall of Fame. Like, 
Wasn't Dre back in a trade? Yeah, and they traded for Dre back. Yeah. yeah. Like they got and him in a John trade. Smiley. Yeah. And then and then he signed as as soon as he was up and his contract is up, he signed a massive deal with the Astros and he was out of here. Like you look at 13 through 15, that pitching that carried this team to three straight postseason berths, Garrett Cole, who they drafted, Charlie Morton, who they traded for, and Francisco Liriano and A.J. Burnett, who they pulled off the scrap heap and just were able to turn around. Like, you're never going to get you, – you would, look at yeah. free agency, and when you have a guy like Verlander, like Scherzer, who are free agents, like Garrett Cole – you're never going to sign those guys in Pittsburgh. It's never going to happen. If you're going to get those arms, you've got to get them in the draft. And, you know, I know we talk all the time with, with Ben Charrington and the idea of building it into your current window. Well, you look ahead to 2024, none of this helps with opening day. But by July or so of next year, if you could have a rotation of Mitch Keller, Jared Jones, Anthony Salamedo, and then Paul Skeens, all of a sudden you feel really good about your starting rotation and where your team's going. So I can totally understand again, why they would go skiing. And I'm with you. I think they know what they're going to do. And I think unless something changes between now and Sunday night, it's going to be skiing and they probably already have a contract worked out with them. Does it kind of beg the question though? Like you said, Marty, I mean, these are guys that a guy like Paul Skeens that they're not signing in free agency do you think if they draft a guy like Paul Skeens, I mean, is it almost, you know, to the point of where you know that he's not going to sign the next contract with Pittsburgh? Is it worth taking a guy like that? It's definitely a fear, but that's definitely a known reality at the same time, I'd say. Like, you know, you know, if he turns out and does what a 1-1 should do, you know, I think it's – it opens an interesting conversation – you know, that's for sure. It puts more pressure on the Pirates to actually spend because the guy's here already. You know, he's not a free agent. Um, so I think that's an interesting point. Um, but at the same time, like, if you believe in him at 1-1 and, you know, you know that, hey, like, we're probably not going to be able to retain this guy, um, you know, that's something to consider as well. Yeah, but I mean – if you're picking 1-1 in the draft, I don't care what team you are, are you ever really going to draft the guy you think you're going to retain beyond those seven years? Especially I mean, in a tired situation. Yeah, right? if you're picking 1-1, you're not the New York Mets, the New York Yankees, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Boston Red Sox, because the teams that are going to go throw money around in free agency are always going to throw that money around in free agency, and as a result, they're never going to be bad enough more than likely, they're never going to be bad enough to pick 1-1. One, one. So, like, I, I just – I get that, but, man, I don't know. It's just the more we talk about it, the more I'm bored I feel like I get with Skeens. And, again, I just – if you're ever truly going to win a World Series, you have to have that guy at the top of your rotation. Again, circle back to 13 through 15. Of those three teams, the one that had the best chance of winning the World Series was 2015. What else happened in 2015? Garrett Cole finished third in Cy Young voting and had his best year in Pittsburgh. Well, A.J. Burnett also had the best year of his career. You, you're If you're going to be a legitimate World Series contender, we've seen it time and time again. Good pitching is always going to beat good hitting. And for a team, if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Cleveland Guardians, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Kansas City Royals, whoever it is, you're never going to get an arm like this unless you get it in the draft. 
especially in today's market where in the last 10 years or so, big market teams have swung more towards keeping their high-end prospects and not selling them. Um, I just, again, I can, I understand why you go this route and just hope that elbow holds up for at least four, five, six years. And then at that point, Hey, you know what? He's giving you what he's giving you. Whatever happens, happens. So the interesting thing though, and we've talked about this before. I'd like to talk about this. I wrote about this the other day is, you know, this drafting Paul Skeens at one, one would go very against what Ben Charrington and um, assistant GM Steven Sanders typically do. You know, it's something we've talked about on the podcast, the the highest pitcher that Ben Charrington has ever drafted between Toronto and the Pirates organization was at number 28 overall. And that's collective, you know, six, seven years now. So not a ton, but at the same time, you know, that begs the question, like you said, the whole, the whole elbow concern, like, is that something you know, is this a coincidence of how they've been drafting or is that something that they 100% seriously like consider with that, that pick out one, one, because if that's the case, you know, history tells us that it will be a bat at one. And, you know, but at the same time, like you said, if this is a front office looking at a guy, not as a, as a baseball player and the, like you said, the best one since Strasburg. Okay. That might, that might change their, their direction of how they typically go, but I'm just having a hard time buying into that. They're going to do that. Um, that's why I think it's going to be Langford. But I think one thing that Skeens, <coughs> excuse me that Skeens has the capability to do is drop that bonus number. If he drops his bonus number to where the pirates, you know, are hoping to, or at least, you know, in the right direction, then Skeens can make himself the number one pick. I think, I think he is definitely the, the better talent than Langford. So I think if he's willing to take, you know, a similar as they call it a uh, haircut, then, um, you know, I think that Skeens could be be the pick in that scenario. Yeah, and I think you you hit the nail on the head for me. Yes, this goes against Ben Charrington's draft strategy going back to his time with the Boston Red Sox for the most part. However, if Skeens really is the best pitching prospect since Steven Strasburg, I know this the Strasburg legacy is definitely that's a, it's a bit of a loaded gun. It really is. However, in the end, he helped bring a world series to Washington DC. So even if he never throws another pitch in his major league career, which unfortunately seems very possible. He also made a ton of money. (laughs) I guarantee, I guarantee you everybody in the nationals organization is perfectly content with that pick. And it's kind of funny because who were the two big picks for Washington? Strasburg and Harper, the generational guys, and which one of those two was the World Series MVP? Which one of those two was on the team that won the World Series? It wasn't Harper. So also you know, who stuck around, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's I, I think in the <coughs> no, it's interesting show, that the, the pitcher sticks around and not the hitter. Yes. I, I just I think all that again just goes to show the value of pitching and why. If you are Ben Charrington, Steven Sanders, John Baker, whoever it is in that war room Sunday night, and you truly believe 
that this is the best pitching prospect in the draft since Steven Strasburg. You've got to do it. And, you know, I, I remember I was in Altoona when Strasburg made that first professional start. It was wild, man. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff an organization can benefit from, too. I remember ESPN being there and just it was just wild to see this in a double A baseball game. And, you know, Paul Skeens would carry very similar hype. Not the same because, I mean, with Strasburg, you're talking about maybe the most hyped up, most complete pitching prospect in the history of the MLB draft. But that stuff, too, can benefit the team. That's good publicity whenever your number one overall pick makes a start in double A and strikes out 12 guys in five innings and ESPN's covering that. Like talking about the the major league team or the double A team? When Strasburg made his first professional start. I know. It's just the Pirates got absolutely hammered. The the Pirates also got hammered. Yeah. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like that that kind of stuff is good for organizations as well. I just. Delwin Young, baby. Delwin Young. He broke up the no hitter, didn't he? Didn't he hit a home run off him too? I I think so. I think it was the only hit and it was a home run. (laughs) God, Delwyn Young, there's a name I have not heard in a long time. I've been content not ever hearing it again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's this is a different draft. It's so loaded to the point of where I think you can justify a few different things. But, um, you know, we've had this conversation a few times on the podcast and our group message, wherever else. But uh, this is a hill I think we've all died on. Dylan Cruz at a certain point, and it's evolved. You know, I think we're to the point now where – a Wyatt Langford, like you're saying, Nick, would make a lot of sense. It's a similar bat power-wise. You know, this is a guy you could move at a similar pace, and the same goes with Skeens as well. But, uh, you know, this draft is different, guys. I mean, this is um, this is going to be a pivotal move here at number one overall. Are we – and I just mentioned three college names, the three college names that we've been talking about this whole time, that we've been talking about for a long time. Are we ruling out Max Clark? Or, you know, even a high school name in general at 1-1. Is that not even a possibility? I'm not ruling Max Clark out at all. Um, because here's my thing. If you feel like you're not going to get a deal done with Cruz and Ben Charrington's track record is to not go pitching that high, and you're, you just combine the fact with, I mean, Jonathan Mayo said today on 93.7 The Fan that he thinks most years Max Clark is a slam dunk number one pick and that a lot of his tolls are better than Dylan Cruz. The difference is Cruz has proved for three years in the SEC. Um, I, I'm not going to rule out Max Clark. I mean, just it was a day or two ago on Twitter, Jason Mackey said that a lot of the smoke he's heard this week was Max Clark. So I'm not going to rule Max Clark out at all. Um I said, we're sitting here recording. We're about 48 hours out right now. Gun to my head. I would guess Paul Skeens, but I'm not going to be surprised if it winds up being Max Clark. And Marty, that's where I think why I don't think Max Clark is going to be it because we're hearing his name. It's something, you know, we mentioned earlier in a podcast we've talked about years before where it often seems like the name that's being talked about the most is not the name they end up going. Mayer was the name that we are hearing a lot, um, even Lawler to an extent in 21, and it ended up being Davis. And I think Keith Law was the only guy who actually had that projected. So I'm going to be honest. I, I've i been trying to pay attention um, to these mock drafts and looking back at what they mocked in previous years to kind of see that. And I will say that it does seem like – more often than not, it's been wrong on high school players. 
at the top. And I, I think that, again, kind of speaks to Ben Charrington and his typical draft strategy. I know he bucked the trend last year taking Tamar Johnson, but many believed, like you said, many believed that he might have been the best bat in that draft all around, similar to that Clark might have the best tools in this draft. But the difference is that they're picking at 1-1 and not at 4. So, you know, I think you take the college bat, and I think that's something we'll see um, this front office continue to do. I just, again, like, I think uh, Nate Peterson was the the highest um, prep player they also drafted while they those two were in Toronto. So, again, it would go against their, their trend to take a high school player, but they did it last year because they believed in the talent that much. But I also think because that's the name we're hearing a lot, uh, recently that it's probably going to be a different direction. Marty has skeins. Nick, who is your pick right now? And we are 48 hours out, but if you had to, you know, just put a name out there, one guy they're going to take at 1-1, who's that going to be? I would like them to take one of the LSU kids, who I think they're going to take is Jeremy Langford from Florida. And that, I like Langford a lot, as I said earlier. Um you know, but of the three, I think he, he definitely is, is third. So, uh, but that's who I'm going with. I'm sticking with Langford, um, you know, on, on a big discount. Yeah, I hear you. I'm going to go Dylan Cruz. <laughs> you know what? I think as crazy as it is, it may shock the world that they take Dylan Cruz at number one overall at this point after, you know, what has unfolded over the last few weeks. But uh, I think Dylan Cruz is the best player in the draft. Um, and, and Nick left, left the show. I don't know if we had a laptop die or he was just that frustrated with my take on Dylan Cruz, but I think it's Dylan Cruz. I mean, this is a kid that, uh, you know, was the SEC player of the year for a reason, MVP of the college world series for a reason. This is a guy that you can move quickly. This is a proven bat. And while his ceiling is not quite as high as maybe some of the other players in this draft, we know what he is and we know what he's going to be in Pittsburgh. Give me Dylan Cruz and, uh, hopefully sooner than later. Uh, Marty, as we begin to wrap it up here on this 2023 MLB draft special, what is a perfect draft in your opinion? Let's say they don't take Dylan Cruz. Let's say they take Paul Skeens. Do you think going in bulk and getting, you know, four, you know, three to four, I guess, of the top 100 is the right way to go? Or, you know, do you go to sleep a little bit happier on Sunday night if Dylan Cruz is a Pittsburgh Pirate? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be thrilled if they draft Dylan Cruz still, obviously. Um, just probably the most surefire floor hitter in the draft since Bryce Harper. And, you know, I'm not saying he's got the ceiling of Bryce Harper because, I mean, I, I will die on the hill that Bryce Harper might be the most underappreciated and underrated player in history of Major League Baseball. But um, he's got that high floor. But I just, like I said, maybe some of that is just me starting to prep for what I think is going to come but I'm really getting on board with the idea of Paul Skeens. Um, it just ultimately it's you're again, if you want to truly contend for a world series, you have to have that guy at the top of your rotation. I don't know how else the pirates are going to get that guy without drafting them. Um, so that's why I would be very happy with Skeens. I'd be very happy with Cruz. I'd be happy with Langford. I mean, Max Clark, I wouldn't love just because he's so far away, but you know, again, the tools are there. So I just ultimately hope whatever happens at 1-1, one, one, 
I just hope, like you said, afterwards coming out of that, you can still land multiple kids in the top 100 in this draft with your over slots later on. And that, that's something Ben Charrington has always valued. That's something that it looks like is going to be paying off for Ben Charrington. Because, I mean, you know, as critical as we've been of him at times, like you mentioned earlier, you look at his drafts and, man, they look promising. Because 2020, I mean, it's a very small sample size thus far, but Nick Gonzalez looks really good. Carmen Majinski looks like a really solid reliever in the major league level. And Jared Jones is becoming maybe your top pitching prospect. And then you jump over to 21. If Jared Jones isn't your top pitching prospect, if it's Anthony Solomedo is, and they're both doing things at a young age that are just extremely impressive. Henry Davis, I think, is going to be an absolute stud in the majors. Um, Lonnie White Jr. is having a good year at the plate now that he's healthy. So this is one thing Ben Charrington has always done well, is draft guy, identify that talent in the draft and go and get it. So I'm just hopeful that they can walk away with multiple guys out of the top 100 on uh, over the course of the three days. And, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens Sunday night. Like I said, I, I think it's going to be Paul Skeens. Um, and – you know, if it is Paul Skeens, I will say all of a sudden there, there's a lot of reason to feel really good about the starting rotation. May, maybe not next year because guys are going to be just kind of trickling in, but come 2025, man, Mitch Keller, Paul Skeens, Anthony Solomon, Jared Jones, that could be really damn good. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens here. That would be really damn good. And it would be really different. You know, like we kind of alluded to throughout the episode they haven't had that kind of pitcher that kind of staff Paul Skeens gives you that if he stays healthy um you know but I I just I think in the back of my mind Marty at the end of the day Dylan Cruz gets scared maybe gets a little bit of cold feet trying to ask for that that double digit number and you know I think they uh they find a deal um but you know in the long run I think regardless Paul Skeens, Dylan Cruz, Wyatt Langford, even a Max Clark. Um, you know, it's like, which one of these guys are you able to give that second contract to? Are you able to give that Brian Reynolds contract to? Um, you know, maybe none of them. But I think trying to identify what that's going to be in the long run, what you can do, um, you know, at 1-1. But, hey, you know, to keep it simple, you have the number one overall pick. I think it's kind of obvious who the number one overall player is. So maybe this will be Dylan Cruz. Come Sunday, uh, going to be really fun, guys. We're going to have all the coverage at rumbutter.com on our Twitter as well at rumbunter. This is a draft special, but let's touch on, on just a few things here, Marty, as we wrap it up. Your thoughts. Uh, let's go through a minor league minute before we close it out. Um, but before we do that, just this past week in, in Pirates baseball, a little Western swing here as they close it out before the All Star break. Uh, just kind of your general thoughts on the last week. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it hasn't been good. Um, I think the most concerning part is seeing some of these young pitchers who had scuffled all year, you had high hopes for really just start to go up in flames. Um, Luis Ortiz back in the minors now. Ronzi Contreras, God bless him. I, I feel like right now Ronzi Contreras is just in a god-awful head spot. Um, he, he seems like the kind of player who is going through the mental battles and lack of confidence that can just completely end and derail a career. Um, so really hope Roe can get it figured out because I still think he's got the talent to be a really good pitcher. Um so yeah, that that's that's not good. That's not what you want to see. Um, this this pitching staff right now is just it, it's in shambles. I mean, Osvaldo Beto, he had a couple good starts there to start things, but he's starting to show why he was 28 years old and never pitched in the majors. Um, your your starting rotation, Johan Oviedo, is really struggling right now. So yeah, we'll see what happens this weekend in Phoenix. Uh, it looks like. The Diamondbacks are probably going to be without Corbin Carroll. Um, as a baseball fan, I really hope Corbin Carroll's shoulder issue 
um, that he suffered in that swing on Thursday night is not a long-term thing. Because, man, what a fun player and what a fun team the Diamondbacks have been. Also as a guy who may or may not have put some money on Arizona to win the NL West before the season started and who banged that Diamondbacks drum all offseason. I'd really like to see that still happen. But, um, yeah, I, we'll see what happens in Phoenix this weekend. Hopefully Mitch Keller can turn in another strong start Saturday night, going to the All-Star break with some momentum, and maybe we'll get to see him pitching in the All-Star game. Um, one thing, though, that I thought, speaking of the All-Star game, was cool when David Bednar found out he would be going to replace Clayton Kershaw, um, Bednar sending a cooler of icy light over to the <laughs> – over to the clubhouse of the Dodgers to thank Kershaw. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that was, that was pretty cool, but yeah, you know, this, the pitching staff right now is not in a good place at all. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see Luis Ortiz and Ronzi Contreras go to AAA and figure some things out, especially Contreras. I, I think with Ortiz, it's a real possibility. He's just not ready yet and was thrown into the fire because of injuries and whatnot. And he will be fine in the long run, but Contreras is, Contreras is someone who I honestly think would benefit from just sitting down and not even pitching in a game for two, three weeks and just press restart and see where it takes him. No doubt. I think restart is the perfect word. Just completely reset everything here. And, and like you said, I think we're teased. You still see the confidence. Ronzi Contreras, it's gone. And it's uh, it's been gone for a little bit here. We were calling for the demotion. We see it. He goes down to the Pirates farm system. Marty, let's talk about the Pirates farm system as we wrap it up. Anything else you want to get to in the minor leagues? And, uh, you know, I guess these minor league minutes are going to get a little bit shorter here as Pirates continue to call up these guys. But um, anything else you want to get to down in the farm? Um, I will. I mean, by the time you listen to this, this may have changed because they've just been moving guys pretty quickly lately. But uh, one thing I wrote about on the site on Friday, Jace Bowen having a big year at high A Greensboro has really cut down on his strikeout rate, which has led to a big uptick in power. I would really like to see him get Daltuna sooner rather than later, especially because this is an organization that does not have a lot of talent or depth in the outfield in the minors. Um, sticking with Altoona, I know we've talked about him a lot, but, man, what Anthony Salometto is doing cannot be overstated. He is only 20 years old, pitching a double-A. He's one of the youngest guys in the Eastern League and has a 2.37 ERA and a 30% strikeout rate with just a 5% walk rate. Yeah, so Salometto could be real special, so uh, – what he's doing at Altoona right now, especially at his age, is just pretty incredible and should be talked about at every chance that you get. Anthony Solomato has been unbelievable, especially for his age. Uh, you know, it's just been fun to follow. Kind of the guys that, that were in that 21 draft, obviously, with Davis coming up here. Um, you know, and it's been fun at the big league level with what Nick Gonzalez has been doing as well. But you said it, Marty, the, the pitching. That has been the struggle. Let's see if they can turn it around here as they take on the Arizona Diamondbacks starting tonight. That will end on Sunday into the All-Star break. And, uh, well, Sunday's the day that we've been talking about this entire episode, the 2023 MLB Draft coming up. Check it out and check us out at rumhunter.com. We're going to have full coverage there. We're going to have full coverage on our Twitter as well. Live tweeting, um, you know, and just kind of sharing our thoughts as it will go one way or the other here. It's going to be Dylan Cruz, White Langford, Paul Skeens, Max Clark, maybe somebody – we're not talking about. We're going to find that out. Uh, but for Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Anity. Thank you guys for joining us. We're going to be back next week breaking down everything going on in the world of Pirates baseball. We're going to get back to our top of the trolley, some sour pierogi going, and, uh, you know, some tweets as well. So uh, so give us a shout-out, guys, at Rum Munter on Twitter. But until next week, the Pittsburgh Pirates got a number one pick coming up this all-star break as well. Happy late 4th of July. Have a great weekend, everybody. Let's go, Bucks.